Hey, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Gun. Scott Van Kirk in studio with us and Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station, Station location. location. Yeah, there we go. Stereo. Uh, listen, uh, we got show and tell. We're going to talk about nonviolent criminals and the right to own uh, uh, and carry a firearm. Uh, but first, <clears throat> yeah, let's just do show and tell. Let's, let's just jump right into this. Are we going to start with the Glock 19? Yeah, because that's just a great gun. So <laughs> so this is the, 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 the fifth generation Glock 19. It's an Austrian-American classic. Yeah, but this one's equipped with the uh, the Hollow Sun uh, new optic there, SCS optic, which is really, really cool. Finally, it's a Glock MOS gun, but we got rid of all of the interface plates. Yes. No plates. No, we're not raising the optic up higher. No suppressor o- sights over, over the cut. Yeah. So this this um, this Hollow Sun SCS optic is solar powered. It has an internal battery that's not replaceable, and it is shake awake. It's a green dot with circle reticle. And it mounts directly to the slide of the Glock pistols. So it matches the cocking serrations, blend seamlessly into the optic, and I don't have to put on tall sights in order to co-witness with my optic. And I don't have to this, push any buttons. This is finally, <laughs> yeah, th- this is, this, this, yeah, this is what we've been waiting for for a long time is a direct interface optic um, that is so fast, so friendly. And 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 affordable. It's good stuff. Yeah, you did this after I literally, literally six weeks after you six did weeks a red a, dot. Six weeks after I. Well, now you can upgrade. A, Time to a, upgrade. Upgrade. Bought a new slide, mounted a red dot on it. Upgrade. Upgrade. <clears throat> when I could have just waited and bought this. Upgrade. Yeah, yeah. he he held that out on purpose uh, just to get you, Scott. No, this this is the guy this, he is. So if you shoot clock, okay, and. This this is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you get into a dot gun. Yeah, this is this, this is, is how it. it should have been done. This is it. At introduction. Should have started this way. Yeah. But this is it. But Hollow Sun is now doing uh, multiple footprints. Oh, um, those. So, you know, mounting optics, mounting optics on pistols is not just buy these two parts and put them together. No. It's make sure that, that these parts actually go together. And usually we're buying some sort of interface screws. plate yeah. and special screws. Yeah. There's a lot that could be standardized in this industry. Mm-hmm. And I, I look forward to the day when we might have, you know, A, B, C, and D footprints that the manufacturers put that in their manual. This takes a D footprint. And when you buy the optic, this is a D footprint. And then you can just screw them together. That would be awesome. Right. Yeah. But there's which, a, th- yeah, which is this. This yes. is this is this is where we're headed. Yeah, it comes with one set of one set of screws that's yeah. designed for the Glock thread pitch, so yeah, it goes right, just right, go, just bolt this. together. So yeah. if you're interested, folks, you've been wondering about uh, getting into a dot gun. This is the way to go. This is it right here. Yeah. In fact, you can. Larry's already done it for yeah, you. Yeah, we, on we this bought pistol. them separately, and mounted them together. Yeah, so just, just I've been head waiting down on there these optics. Say, say, Larry, I want that dot gun. I want that gun that Scott should have bought. Yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. me that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah That'll no. make me feel really good. <laughs> <laughs> I won't make you pay the Scott price, though. It's no, okay. No, no. You guys, will, you just, know, you guys uh, will just laugh at me over the counter. I bought that uh, uh, 5.7, the Smith & Wesson from oh, you. Oh, that thing is so nice. And then I asked you about the green dot that you had on right. your... And I sent you the link where you yes. had to order the special, special screws. screws. Yeah. 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 Thankfully, you... I knew somebody. I got a set of screws <laughs> for nothing. Well, 
you can get in We've all three got time. that same gun, don't we? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I still haven't shot mine. <laughs> I got to tell you, I abs- I, I've already told listeners how I love the gun itself. I love the trigger. I love how easy it is to shoot, how accurate it is. Yeah. But I love having that green dot. I really enjoy that. That makes it so easy. It's like cheating. Yeah. It is cheating, yeah. and, and that's always a good idea when you're in a gunfight. Indeed. So- so the first three rounds I put through that gun at 10 yards, you could cover that group with the tip of your index finger. Nice. <laughs> that is just... So we all got that thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, for... And, and I don't, I don't want to uh, stray from our, uh, the firearms that you brought in the studio, but I'm just going to tell you that... Uh, f- because I hate a long stage, the trigger on that thing is just remarkable. And then we're we're talking about the Smith and Wesson M and P five seven handgun, right. yeah. which is a fantastic pistol. I love it. I even well, I haven't shot it yet, but I've I've got a uh, a inside the pant holster mm-hmm. for that thing, yep. and yep. I I think it's that's yep. completely a concealable and, gun. And kudos to was it Muddy River? Uh, yeah, Tactical? Muddy River Tacticals. Muddy River holsters. Tactical for getting a holster out for that gun. Yeah, high quality Kydex AIWB and. I you, you I could order the holster before I got my gun in hand. Yeah, yeah, because I knew when I was picking up my gun, I went ahead and ordered the holster. Yep, yep. and it was here in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and and I got mine uh, as a southpaw uh, for uh, inside the uh, the waistband left left hand. Um, just uh, I'm just telling you if you if you can get your hands on this uh, great gun. But there are other great guns, and they're for sale at uh, Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Yeah, including a forty caliber uh, Arsenal Strike 1. Yeah, so this is a really cool gun. This is uh, a Russian design um, that came out probably about a decade ago. And um, it was... Uh, now, now, it is, now it is made in Italy by Arsenal. Um, it is a Bergman-style lockup, so it's a very linear... Um, linear action. There's a, a, a locking block that drops down as the slide articulates, so the barrel stays very mm-hmm. relatively fixed. It's not a fixed barrel gun, but it doesn't have the browning tip up. Right. The barrel. So, the barrel stays and virtually a, hor- hor- parallel to the ground. Yeah, and it's it's a super low bore axis. So as you grip that gun, the sights set less than an inch above your hand. Um, the the center of the bore is less than three quarters of an inch above your hand, so it, it's a very low felt recoil, very linear uh, recoil pulse, great triggers. Um, this one's in forty caliber. Um, I've got this gun in nine, and I love it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a big gun. It's a little bit bigger than a Glock seventeen, um, but it's just got some beautiful lines to it. It's a little unique. It's a gun we don't see a lot of, um, and we got this used one priced at six ninety. Mm-hmm. So it's a great value. So I'm going to admit that I don't recall ever having seen one of these. Yeah. Um, but the engineering is phenomenal on this thing. I everything that you talked about makes this a, just a great gun. Yeah. I and, and you forgot to mention it's got the nice wide trigger, real wide trigger. Yeah. And um, this thing just pour, it it comes up in front of the master eye. And I can I can just tell that in recoil, this is probably going to be one of the best shooting forty cals. Amen to that. Yeah, that you've ever run across. Yeah, and forty is a pretty damn good uh, caliber. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, we got a couple more here for show and tell, uh, and then a couple of uh, court cases, uh, and and we'll get into both of those next. You're listening 
to carry on guns. You bet you're glad to have you with us. It is show and tell time, and uh, Scott Van Kirk is on board. So is Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station, Station location. location. It's nice that you guys do that so <laughs> routinely. Uh, we, uh, in show and tell here, we've got a couple more firearms to cover. Uh, and this... Uh, 357 Magnum. Okay, so, uh, so this is cool. This is this is this is an old gun. This is a gun built between 1983 and 1990. I, I think I um, saw a picture of one once. So this is a a modern pepper box. So this yep. is a four shot Derringer chambered in 357 Magnum. Because why wouldn't you? Right, 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 right. So so you got to time travel with me. You know, uh, officers were carrying 357 revolvers. And this would have been an ideal caliber-compatible vest gun as a backup. And that's what it was marketed as, was a an off-duty um, police pistol. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a, a tip-up barrel. The, the rear sight slides to the rear, allows you to open it up, install your rounds. It is a long, heavy, double-action trigger pull. You think? And, and as we've noticed <laughs> on this one, it appears to have four different trigger pulls based on which rotation into the be, next yeah. barrel um because that oh that was the one yeah, yeah. All, all stainless steel just a beautiful you know modern pepper box that i mean it, gonna, it's cool because it's just locked in time i mean it's i'm gonna go on record that that fourth one yeah the heaviest of the trigger pulls you really want to shoot that gun <laughs> It's not like it's, maybe I'm going to shoot it. It's it's a deliberate. It, pull. Is. it is very deliberate. Yeah. Now one of the things that I, that I as I was researching the the dates and 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 uh, history on this gun, I I've never seen the mini cop. They also produced this what? in a 22 Magnum. Oh okay. So I I uh, now now I am on the search to see if I can ever locate a uh, a mini cop. We gotta go shoot this thing. <laughs> I was just thinking that it's, it's such just, a weird looking it's just gun. Cool. We have to shoot this. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a neat, what, uh, neat uh, modern. You know, 125 grain, 357 magnum. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's just, about the size of the palm of your hand. Yeah. Now it does have some good weight to it. It weighs. It's, uh, a, little, it's a little hefty. Yeah. Um, weighs a pound, a pound and three quarters. So yeah, all yeah, of that. Very yeah. petite. Yeah. It is small. Yeah, we're not shooting 38 special in this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I probably will, but I'll let you shoot Magnum. <laughs> Woo! I don't like recoil like I used to. Well, uh, how I discovered the four different trigger pulls is we're messing around with this thing. And uh, I, sh- I pull the triggers a couple of times, and then I switch it over to my left hand. And I'm like, oh, I wonder how it is in my left hand. And I pulled it. Well, that one was really easy. You, know, that, you found the easy you one. Found yeah. the easy one. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's one easy Two mediums and one that you mean to yeah. shoot that gun. You know, but if, if you think about it as as a backup gun, you've 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 probably expended your your six rounds out of your re, your primary revolver. You've not been able to reload it properly. This is adrenaline dump time. Mm-hmm. My guess is that trigger is no hurdle with uh, with a full on adrenaline dump fighting for your life. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and also let's face it, this is a collection. This collector gun. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is a gun that you pull, you buy. It's just cool, and because it's cool and. <laughs> You pull it out of the safe and hey, look at this thing. Yeah, exactly. We should shoot it. It's like a and barbe- then, it's you, a barbecue gun. Yeah, yeah. and you say, uh, yeah, I'll take you out to the range <laughs> and watch you shoot it. Because <laughs> I've already shot my four rounds. Yeah, through I shot it. my yeah. four. It is. It is. It's. It's cool. It's just neat. It's yeah. neat. It, it just is. Uh, it just in the looking at it from the front is like that is weird. That is weird. All right, uh, wait. 
There's more. Yeah. So oh. this is the six inch modern production Colt Python. Beautiful, high polished stainless steel six shot double action revolver. Um, now that, that CZ has, has ramped up production on, on the Colt product line. They are making amazing revolvers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the machine work is just gorgeous. The trigger pull is butter smooth. Oh. And it, it's, it's a. It's uh, a very fine gun. Uh, so my last Molotov cocktail of the show this week. Okay, promise. Throw, it, is, throw it. Well, no, I don't promise. <laughs> right. But these modern production Colt snake guns are so much nicer than oh, the original. Oh, yeah, yeah. They now they, so they don't nicer. carry the collectible value that, no, that the, the, the original as, snake guns but did. But as shooters? A lot better guns. Oh, these are yeah. Oh, these things are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Modern machining tolerances are so consistent and repeatable. That's how they can this, do this. This is a fact. This is the, out of the fact. Right out of the box. Yeah. Untouched by human hands. I mean. Well, yeah. well, are you suggesting that Scott's not superhuman? I think that's what he was suggesting. Yeah, I say he's superhuman. Super yeah. yeah, superhuman. Yeah. He's, he's from outer space. <laughs> Sub. Uh, listen. Rifle raffle. What? Rifle, rifle raffle. Well, wait a minute. Before we get to a uh, rifle raffle, I'm okay. just thinking this 357 will be a little bit easier to shoot than the uh, cop 357. Oh, yes, it each, would. But, one in each hand. But you might as well it. buy both. That's yeah, what I say. Yeah, I can't go wrong. Yeah, but I'm thinking need. Scott loves revolvers now. He is, he's been into it. Uh, and I see this is brand new, still in the box. Do you have more than one? Cause, yeah. Oh, good. So Scott can buy this one. And I've also got the three inch, uh, on the wall, too. You got this in three inch? Uh-huh. Oh, you bastard. So we have You're welcome. <laughs> Come see us. Should we uh, head over to Brown Station? At the Brown and... Station location. Because, you know, yeah. I, would, I would want to carry it. This is a little big to carry. Yeah, no. You yeah. Come by and get the three inch. You'll love it. Oh, I know. I it's, love it. It's got a better trigger. I'll just, I'll just say that because, you know. Yeah, he'll just liar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also someone with their dying breath. <laughs> I'll be right there oh, flinging man. it. So um, these are available at, uh, the, at Modern Arms at, at the Brown, Brown Station, Station location. location. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, all yeah. three of us now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you can go down uh, in, a, in a few minutes, about a half an hour. Yeah. Uh, he'll be there. Um Rifle raffle? Rifle raffle. Rifle raffle. Rifle raffle. So we are helping the Columbia Police Officers Officers Association raise money. They're having their 28th annual golf tournament fundraiser coming up on June 26th. And at the culmination of that tournament, they're going to draw the tickets. Um, We're giving away a Springfield AR-15, the St. Victor AR, 16-inch barrel, chambered in 5.56. We're also giving away a Glock 43X MOS equipped with the Shield Red Dot Optic, uh, $709 retail value. Uh, the AR retail is $1,150. Tickets are $10 a piece. You can buy three tickets for $25, and two different tickets will win. The first ticket drawn gets choice. And after the first winner chooses, the second ticket drawn gets the second gun, whatever whatever that is. Biggest but it's seconds. not impossible that um, the same person could win both. So. Well, and I also want to let the listeners know that you need to get a ticket for this because I have already bought three of the losing tickets. Yeah. So, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, well, we're only yeah. selling 500. So, yeah, yeah, so your we, odds we have take our... Scott's three out. Yeah, your That's odds it. are getting better. Larry all the time. Yeah. Scott's not going to win. <laughs> Larry's going to see to that. That's right. yeah. Oh, Lord. Rifle uh, well, I buy, I buy my tickets and I say, here, do you need this half? And he goes, oh, no, you keep them both. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate any your wonders, donation. Any wonders why? <laughs> Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that is not at all gun-related, but I saw the story this morning 
And I just had to I just had to talk about this. It has nothing at all to do with the Second Amendment, nothing to do with firearms. But you know there are these people out there who believe that uh, man-made global warming is a problem. So there is an expert out there, and I'm not kidding you, who is suggesting that all we have to do to solve the problem is to move Earth three million miles further away from the sun. <laughs> Wow. It always sounds like an easy task. We wow. just need to change our orbit. That's, what yeah. could go wrong? That's that's ridiculous. I could see 1.5 million. Yeah, three million three. Three. Way, too yeah. Way too far. Way too far. Uh, astronomers know full well the sun is very slowly getting brighter. You don't So wait a minute. I've noticed now, that on daily. I've noticed the sun's getting brighter. So you're saying that my SUV is not the reason th that there's a... A thermonuclear reaction going on on the sun that's affecting our climate? Wait a minute. Yeah, I know. Hard to believe. I, I don't, uh, I've never heard this theory before, Gary. This scientist is now proposing a radical solution uh, that will uh, we'll live much longer and a much happier life if we can just move the Earth a little further out of its orbit. Um, <laughs> and uh, it would extend the year to 380 days. <laughs> Oh, so you'd wow. be younger, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, all right, I just thought I would throw that out there because it was so insane. Uh, I thought... Oh, uh, it is. Obviously, 3 million is way too far. Yeah. You, is there a number that you... 1.5. 1. 1.5. 1. <laughs> 1. Yeah, 3, three I mean, I, I did the math quick here. And <laughs> that's, no, it's 1.5. Uh, the, uh, the plan involves uh, nudging an asteroid... Uh, much like NASA's DART mission, and then uh, use that to help uh, swing us out a little bit further. I don't know what could possibly go wrong, but that's that's the idea. All right, uh, we got a little uh, a, a little bit more ground to cover before we run out of time. Uh, one of the uh, topics I want to talk about, and I've I've spoken about this in the past as a libertarian. Of course, you'd you'd imagine I'm you know a hundred percent against telling people you, you can't own a gun if you smoke marijuana. But Florida, uh, some Florida residents uh, wanted to use uh, medical marijuana, uh, and they registered with the state's medical cannabis program. Um, and it's a gun owner, uh, and he wants to participate in the program. Uh, and he insists that medical marijuana patients should not be prohibited from firearm ownership as a class of individuals based solely on their choice of medical treatment. So uh, there is a group that has been fighting to legalize marijuana for decades, and they filed a brief, uh, and uh, they gave a brief history of marijuana in the United States. And I was kind of surprised, I, I, because even I, as a libertarian, had no idea uh, of what the history was in, in the country. The group is called Normal, um, and uh, I've... I've Worked with them in the past as a libertarian, and and don't get me wrong, I don't smoke marijuana. I've never, I don't even drink alcohol. But I think telling somebody who smokes marijuana you can't have a gun is just ridiculous. But when we come back, their amicus brief with some interesting details about marijuana in the United States. Coming up, thank Gary and God. Welcome, Scott Van Kirk and Larry Wayland from Modern Arms at the Brown, Brown Station, Station location. location. Okay. 
you guys are going to do that uh, every show, huh? Every time. Every right. single time. Every we time. might call in on some other weeks when other people are on and just to say Brown Station. Brown Station location. location. Yeah. We, we don't we don't talk about you otherwise. Okay. At least not on the air. Not, not so that... <laughs> yeah. All right, listen. Uh, apparently, uh, there's uh, some people in Florida. Uh, they wanted to use medical marijuana for whatever ails them. And, uh, of course, the federal government frowns on that. So uh, a group called Normal, uh, and I've worked with them in the past as a libertarian because I, I think this, uh, this is ridiculous. Uh, they came up with a little bit of a history of cannabis in the United States. And I don't know if you guys know this, this stuff or not, but I was surprised. Uh, I did not know that the colonists were required by the King of England to cultivate and export cannabis. Do you guys know that? Uh, yeah, for, for the rope. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That yeah. was that was. Oh, yeah, everybody know. knew that, but me. Huh? Yeah. Grow, right. Growing Pretty hemp was, was was vital in in the ships. Sh right. Yeah. Sh uh, yeah. yeah. That was the major yeah, they transportation. Grow, they, they used to grow hemp in like southern part of Missouri, like same place they'd grow cotton to yeah. make rope. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. So you guys knew that, and I didn't. Cannabis was legal tender for barter in the colonies of Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. Yeah. I didn't know it was legal tender, but yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you didn't know. Uh, yeah, you got me. All there. right, Sorry. so we're, I, I we're even I didn't there. realize the magnitude, yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. Uh, many of the founding fathers, including George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison, grew marijuana. They grew hemp. They yeah. grew hemp. Yeah. yeah, they grew marijuana. Right, they same thing. Yeah. Hemp, yeah. Same, same thing. thing. Different yeah, use. So different, way different use. Yeah. Well, not entirely. Different levels uh, of Because PhD. some of the yeah. founding fathers... <laughs> Some of the founding fathers, including Washington and Madison, smoked cannabis recreationally. Oh, I'm sure they did. Well, it wasn't just for hemp. It wasn't just for rope. They were having a good time with it. They were relaxing. Self-medicating, I think, is what we would say today. Well, I mean, I, from a historical standpoint, that one's going to be a little tough to verify because... I don't know that, I don't know what mind-altering effects they were deriving from cannabis at that time. Yeah. If it made them write the Constitution the way it is, then we should give it to every progressive in the country. <laughs> I think Can they've probably already got their own. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're using something a little wackier. Uh, cannabis was introduced into the field of Western medicine by one Dr. William O'Shaughnessy in the late 1830s and was readily adopted in the United States. The plant was researched rapidly and entered into the United States uh, pharmacopoeia uh, as a uh, treatment for a whole host of ailments and afflictions. What year was that? 1850. Oh, the okay. Irish? O'Shaughnessy? Irish? Yeah. What, did they... The he Irish did, did, did he not know about whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> they threw him out of Ireland. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't hold his liquor. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The amicus brief that they filed, normal filed, uh, in uh, support of these uh, Floridians, also uh, goes into the history of how marijuana restrictions were passed, starting uh, with the uh, Marijuana uh, Stamp Act in 1937. Uh, and the outright racism behind the laws, and, and that's really why it's it, it, they they said uh, you can't smoke marijuana. We're going to make it illegal because blacks were smoking it, and they thought they would be giving it to white women, and so they said no, no, no more smoking that pot. So it is literally racist origins for the ban on marijuana. 
and I'm sure you guys know people who've smoked marijuana, and if I had to deal with someone who had been abusing themselves with alcohol versus smoking marijuana, I'd rather deal with somebody smoking marijuana. Yeah, they're yeah. a lot of times a little more. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, as, sometimes, sometimes not. not yeah, yeah Wh I think, whiskey I think blind, ready gonna, to fight. Yeah, I'm going to go a little. I'm going to go juries out on that one with a caveat again, as we increase the THC levels in marijuana, because yeah. one of the one of the issues that you get with the legalized marijuana crowd, if you want to talk just just purely demographics, that really started with the hippies in the '60s and into the '70s and stuff like that. The stuff they were smoking is ditch weed compared to what you can get now. So yeah, I, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, Bacardi One Fifty One, where they increase. right. So I think there's so I think the jury's out on some of the brain chemistry involved in that particular one. I'm not speaking to the legality issue. I'm speaking to just the physiological. Yeah. Well, effects. having having spent my formative years tending bar and dealing with both. Um, it yeah, was, but you're, again, you're talking. Here you about, go. You're going to make me old. I know you are. Talking, I'm going to just keep right on moving here. I'm not going to let you talk. I'm hey, just going to keep going. Some rowdy jazz singers in 1940 <laughs> that've been smoking a little weed, and they're, they were really easy to deal with. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to keep talking. Maybe I just turn the mic off. Oh Lord. But I th I think that it is uh, ridiculous to tell people who are smoking pot uh, for medical reasons or recreational reasons. You can't own a gun. Uh, if you can drink alcohol, and we know how crazy some people get when they drink alcohol, but they can own a gun. So I think uh, it, what's good for the goose, good for the gander. Uh, the U.S. government cannot ban people convicted of nonviolent crimes from possessing guns. This is from a federal appeals court uh, back on Tuesday. Uh, it's from uh, Philadelphia, uh, their third uh, uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is another defeat for gun control laws uh, in the wake of the uh, Supreme Court ruling. And I don't have a problem with this. Uh, the decision uh, stems from a 2020 lawsuit by a Pennsylvania guy. His name was Brian Range. And he was, because of federal law, told he couldn't possess a gun because he had pled guilty to welfare fraud in 1995, and he claimed that the law violated his right to bear arms under the Second Amendment. The Supreme Court, of course, uh, ruled that uh, under the Second Amendment, uh, any restrictions on gun possession has to be, you know, historical. You've got to find somewhere uh, where when this was written, there were these kinds of laws. BATF uh, Firearms and Explosives uh, enforces the federal gun laws, uh, and they, they refuse to decline or they refuse to say anything about this. But apparently the, the conclusion is, you know, if it's not violent, there's no reason why you can't own a gun. Anybody disagreeing with that? Okay, the silence was under. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that that's uh, that's a good step forward. Sure, um, sure. Certainly, uh, restricting uh, violent felons uh, from from buying firearms uh, mm -hmm. makes sense to me. Um, that's not a pure libertarian view at all. But um, well, I I think you know as a libertarian, I think if you've got a violent criminal, uh, you don't just arbitrarily say eight years, ten years, twelve years. You say. Yeah, what we're, we're going to keep you here rehabilitation in the, instead of yeah. Yeah, in the in but the we don't have that system anymore. In the in a perfect world, yeah, where or even a close to perfect world where violent felons are prosecuted and found guilty 
in a fair and just system and then sentenced to a very long time in prison and we're, we're literally putting the quote-unquote violent felons off the street, then it doesn't become an... It's not an issue. Right. Yeah, right. but we... The system is so broken that... That they're released. Yeah, that to even be able to say, oh, yeah, you know... And I don't even want to hear, oh, yeah, they serve their time. Well, they serve their time in a broken system. Yeah. Right. Well, so the metric... <laughs> So the metric should really be changed uh, on both ends. All, all, both the how, all the metrics need to change, and that's the problem. Yeah, both how uh, we take dangerous felons off the street, but also how we judge people. I mean, suppose somebody uh, did something uh, at, at the age of 18 or 19. Uh, they went through uh, you know, rehabilitation or prison or whatever it is, and now they're like 45 years old. They haven't violated any laws. They've been on the up and up and straight. Shouldn't they be able to then, at some point, be able to defend themselves? Uh, who decides that? Who figures that? Who establishes well, the I think criteria? You, well, yeah. I, I think it'd be reasonable to assume that if somebody is, uh, you know, not violating any laws and living a good life for twenty years, that's probably an indication that. Oh, I'm not saying changed. it's not an indication. I'm saying, how do you codify that? Well, you just have to say, you know, if you're a violent criminal. Uh, but, but we don't. You need to have a history of X number of years of. But, uh, but you understand, we don't just say things; we codify things. So you well, have to then somebody run. has to write that code, that that law, yeah, uh, and make that part of the, the deal. And the last law that was written that was accurately applied based on what you think it said was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, gone into law, I understand that there could be variables, but the system as it stands does need to be corrected. And I think especially if it's a nonviolent law, uh, you ought to have the right to uh, to defend yourself. And, and I, I think we've uh, written a bunch of laws that were sort of knee jerk reactions. No, oh, we're we, we, have, no, as we a, would never do that. As a no? society, we are over felonized. Yeah, there are things that are felonies that should not be felonies. And that would go a long way to to solving this problem, that you are made a felon and th and thus under law not allowed to ever possess a firearm again for offenses that should not be felonies. Oh, like we don't still owning an arm brace because yeah. somebody changed their mind. Well, that and, would be one. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, that would be oh, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's just fine. Let me grab a phone call here. Uh, Mitchell just uh, decided to drop in. Uh, 800-529-5572 if you want in. Mitchell, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, Long-time listener to the show. I appreciate what you guys do. Um, Gary, your comment a while ago about someone being young and, and getting in trouble and then 45 years old, that's me. I'm 45 years old. I was 21, convicted of a white-collar crime on some, some small business stuff, mail fraud, and I can't own a gun. I've got guns. My father passed away here a couple of years ago. He wanted to hand me down a bunch of guns, and, and they're still at home in my mom's safe because I can't hand, I can't have my 30-year shotgun that I've had ever since I was, you know, I, I can't even remember, 10 years old or my 22. Yeah, um, that, is just, that is just unfair at every level. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, the other thing, too, is, is um, Gary, I'm, I'm a part of the community. I live in a small town uh, close by. Uh, I know the sheriff. Um, you know, the sheriff's invited me to go hunting. I can't do it. Um, I, I still work in an office setting. We go to charity uh, 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 sporting clay events, shoots. I can't do it. 
um, you know, because I'm not going to take that chance of, you know, getting pulled over and going to jail. My life is too set. But it's been it's been 25, 25 years for, for me, yeah. um, you know, on something that I pled guilty to. The, the other thing that you also said about the, uh, you know, everything is over felonized. Um, I have a friend um, that lives up in a little bit uh, north of Columbia. Uh, he's got land on both sides of Highway 63 and he has a ride mower. He rode his mower across Highway 63, which is an interstate, and he was charged with a felony. A, a, a patrol officer caught him. He was he was charged with a felony. Um, his zero turn mower, um, because that is not the proper way to cross. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. He, he just... went through the meeting, you know, and, and so I mean, I, I don't know what ever happened to that, but everything. I think when felonies were originally set up, and, and I'm not a lawyer, but I think that was set up for like murderers for you know hardcore stuff yeah violent violent criminals all right mitchell uh thank you very much for the call i appreciate it glad to have you on uh, gary on guns we're up against the clock in fact running a little late so we'll come back and wrap it up i'm gary on guns welcome glad to have you with us and uh scott van kirk is also with us uh and uh, along with uh larry uh from Modern Modern Guns Station, Station location. location. Ah, for crying out loud, there's just no getting around it. Uh, before we uh, before we wrap up here uh, in the closing minutes, rifle raffle, rifle raffle, rifle raffle, raising money for the Columbia Police Officers Association, only selling 500 tickets, yep. giving away a AR-15 and a Glock pistol. Tickets are ten dollars. Three tickets for 25. Yep. Great way to show support for our local police department. Um, really going to miss our current chief, Jeff Jones. Kudos to him. He's done a great job. We will miss you, Jeff. You've done a great job with Columbia Police Department. Um, we hope that um, your replacement uh, can um, can fill the shoes. Fill those shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't know him well. I've interviewed him a few times, had him on the program, and he and I disagree on a couple of things, not a lot. I disagree with you on a lot of things, Gary. Come well, on. you have a right, right. to be wrong. <laughs> But uh, but I thought he was a hell of a chief yes. and a really good guy, um, and so I wish him the best. And and you're right, finding uh, someone to fill those shoes could be challenging. Well, and and that is what you have to look out for as a Columbia resident. Is given the current political climate with the city council and the mayor's office and everything that goes on in Columbia, uh, look for them to recruit somebody from outside the department and look for them to recruit someone that is much more in line with their agenda i think that and i don't know the, the outgoing chief i know i we have mutual friends and acquaintances um he did a masterful job yes. in a in a in an agency and a jurisdiction that requires you to be both a uh, law enforcement leader and a politician and and juggle all of the different balls in the air and stuff like that look for them to recruit somebody that is much more in line with somebody who would be the chief of police of maybe not quite as bad maybe not san francisco but certainly <laughs> somebody who is a woke larger metropolitan area yeah. yeah yeah i thought he did a great job and i also uh noticed a difference uh, when i talked to people in law enforcement in columbia uh their attitude about their job uh, changed from the preceding administration yes uh, and that's largely uh his doing uh he he was on the, the uh, cpoa chief was on the program on the weekday program about a week ago and uh maybe two weeks and he was talking about um support from the city council and from the mayor 
uh, and and I guess the police are starting to and and this is probably behind him retiring. They're just not feeling like they're getting the support of the administration. And that's, and it's super unfortunate. They they yeah. have a hard job to do, and to not get support from the the political leaders in Colombia is, is really sad. But and and there are some great law enforcement officers in Colombia who could who could rise up to that position. But, you know, based on what I've seen over the last year or so, I, I don't know why anybody would want to. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Let me just be out in the street. It'd be safer. Um, we also need to do one more thing before I go back. I'm hopefully I get to the story about Switzerland uh, and their high rate of gun ownership and what a silly story they've got uh, at MSN. But before I do that, I want to make sure we go back and talk about the guns that uh, you brought in the studio here. Absolutely. I love that. So we brought in the, the, the Relic, 1983 uh, to 1990, the COP, the COP, uh, Pepper Box uh, 357 Derringer. Also brought in the 6-inch Colt Python Revolver. Great 357 modern production from the CZ ownership of Colt. We have the Glock 19 Gen 5 with the new Hollow Sun direct mount optic. A complete game changer. It is the the optic that um, optic and pistol match. That's just a beautiful combination. And then we also brought in the Strike One, a uh, Italian-made gun of, of Russian design in 40 caliber, a really low bore axis, a beautiful black and stainless um, 40 caliber pistol. That's I don't know. It, it's it's just a, a cool gun. It's one you don't see a lot of. They are still in production. Uh, this one we have price used at six ninety. New ones are in the eight hundred dollar range, so it's a great value for a, a good shooter pistol. And it's going to have less felt recoil than any other forty caliber in its weight category for sure. Super low bore axis. I want to talk to you very briefly about the sight uh, because it um, you can't change the battery. It's got to be exposed to sunlight? Right. So it's it's the Hollow Sun SCS. It is a solar-powered um, dot. Uh, it, it's, it's green illumination, a green dot with, uh, with circle. Uh, it is solar-powered. It is shake-awake. And there is an internal battery that's, that's powered by the solar. Uh, so, it, you, you know, it, it's day-night use. It doesn't have to have sunlight to, to use it. Uh, but it's a little but like it has the to be uh, exposed to sunlight to charge the battery. Right. It's a, bit, it's a little bit like your uh, your smoke detector. You know, think mm -hmm. of the the ten year battery. That that it, it's got that type of technology with a solar support to to continue to top it off. So it's a, a good robust site, um, and um, it's available I like at the Modern idea Arms. That you don't have to turn it on and off. That it wakes up when you move it. Yep. Guys, thanks for coming in. Thanks Whatever so it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day, Carpe Diem. Gwen, baby, honey, I'm coming home. <laughs>